Hello and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. It's me, Marcus. I'm back again to talk about another film. So the film I've chosen for today's episode is Spookies. And the reason I chose this was mainly because it was a very recent release from the company Vinegar Syndrome. I, you know, I'm really a big Vinegar Syndrome fan these days. And so, of course, basically, if they put up basically any film, I'm going to end up getting it. So, of course, I picked it up. It unfortunately took a while to get here, uh, along with the rest of my uh, Black Friday package. For some reason, it shipped from the East Coast, went to the West Coast, then went back to the East Coast, and then went back to the West Coast. I don't know what happened with that package. It just went on a little journey. Either way, everything arrived fine, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. And I had a bunch of other movies I was still able to watch while waiting. So before I go into the discussion of the film, here is the trailer. Admittedly, this trailer is very focused on like music and there's very little dialogue, but it does give me the opportunity to share like my favorite song from the film. So enjoy. supposed to be. Looks sort of like a Parcheesi game or something. I know what this is. I mean, I've never seen one like this before. It's a Ouija board. Well, how do you play it? Don't you need dice or something? You don't play. The Ouija board is a tool for communication. Communication with who? The dead. Okay, so Spookies is a 1986 film, and there is a very large cast of characters who basically all get caught up in a sort of haunted house scenario. And there is a group of these sort of rowdy, goofy, drunk, teenager-ish, or 20-something-year-olds. And then there's another group of people who, initially when I saw them, I thought they were like a family... So, like, the dad and, like, some children, even though they're, like, adult children. But, you know, that's what I perceived them as. You know, they were very homely, I guess. Very, very different from the sort of rowdy group of people, anyway. But for some reason, they're all connected. They're all driving together and trying to find a party. And they end up at this sort of 
abandoned home and things go very wrong once they enter this abandoned home as you might expect from a horror film. I had thought I'd seen Spookies before like a long time ago and then I really hated it and maybe I did because I feel like the name Spookies is too unique for me to be mistaking it for something else but I really did not remember this movie whatsoever so maybe I have not seen it before. Well fortunately I ended up actually enjoying it quite a bit Um, this time around or the first time around I don't know but I really liked it. It's rather dumb. I'm not going to say it's like an extremely scary film or anything. It is definitely not that at all. It's superbly goofy. It's a very silly movie uh, with silly things going on, but it's still pretty good in its own right because there are some really cool monster effects going on. Uh, Stuff like that, because it's not just one monster. You know, it's not like, okay, a zombie movie is just a bunch of zombies all the time. There's this film... There is all kinds of different creatures or different types of monsters that are on screen. And they're all practical effects, you know, these rubbery, monstery things going on. Very cool stuff, very slimy. So I thought it was a lot of fun, mainly for that aspect, that there's just a lot of kookiness. And you don't know, like, what's coming next, basically, because there's so many different types of creatures that are sort of all coming to stalk these people in this haunted house. But really, now that I've just given like the very briefest of explanations of this film, I obviously have to go into talk more about the entire film, get into some spoilers. So obviously, if you don't want to be spoiled, then do not listen to the rest of this episode. Thanks. So this movie starts off with what, when I had watched it, seemed like a really kind of random thing where there is like a 13-year-old kid who is just like a runaway from home because family didn't remember his birthday. And there's like some strange human slash pirate slash cat monster like stalking him. And he goes into the empty, you know, haunted house, finds like a birthday party spread going on. And is like, wow, you remembered my birthday after all. That's so awesome. Even though this birthday party thing is super creepy, like these deflated balloons, sort of a dark room. There's nobody there except for like one doll in one of the seats. Like, yeah, I, that is not a normal party. That is not like a good time. You see that, you like turn around and leave. But anyway, this dumb kid's like, sure, you know, I'll cut the cake and I'll like open my presents And then he basically gets spooked by a head in a box, runs outside to the front of the house. Oh, but there's like this, you know, whole graveyard thing going on. And the cat pirate man, I say this because the dude is, I guess, sort of like a cat. He's totally human, but he's he's cat-like in that he purrs and stuff. And I say pirate because he's wearing like a piratey vest and he's got like this you know frilly shirt thing which to me says pirate and he's like pirate boots and he has a hook for a hand so okay to me pirate uh either way the pirate catches up with the kid and like buries him in the graveyard because there was just this big empty plot already 
and a shovel and everything just like neatly laid out for him to do this. Thing I don't get from that scene is why was the kid not able to do anything except for like wiggle on the ground? He, he wasn't tied up. He wasn't knocked unconscious. He wasn't, you know, anything. He had scratches on his face, but that's all. So I don't know why he wasn't unable, he was unable to uh, try to climb back up out of the hole. You know, if you've ever tried to dig a hole and then fill it up with dirt again, filling it up with dirt is not a quick thing either. You know, you got to do a lot of shovel work. So it was kind of silly scene to have him just be buried alive, I guess, without much of a struggle. Either way, the weird thing about this scene is that it, it kind of seems like there's no correlation to the rest of the film, except for the like house aspect. And there is a reason for that, which I guess I'll get into a bit later. Either way, after that scene, so we know the house is no good for some reason, the two groups of people arrive at this house and decide to go in there because it's like empty and they're lost. So of course, why not stay at the creepy mansion that's abandoned? It's totally cool. So they go in there and they're just chilling out, being weird. Still don't know why these two groups are like at all related in any way because they seem just like totally strangely polar opposites or from like different movies. But anyway, they just hang out in that house Someone named Duke, who is like this 1950s greaser, sort of in his look, but it's you know, the 80s, is messing around, like breaking stuff in the house for no apparent reason. And he stumbles upon this uh, planchette. And then I think they also find a Ouija board that, you know, goes with it. So they get this. One of the other people in the group, uh, Carol, is like, an occult expert she like talks about this very seriously out of nowhere like about what a ouija board is and you know that she believes in spirits and whatnot so of course they all just play with it even though i would think normally if that you know if carol was as serious as she sounded that she would say like no it's not to play with don't we're not going to do that but they do and it's clear that when they're asking dumb questions you know like one of the girls asks you know how old am i and the board answers. I don't know why a spirit would know some random girl's age, but it did. So they like believe it now. Oh yeah, this thing is legit. But then she asks, how long am I going to live? And the board gives the same age that she is currently, you know, so it's like, uh, it's quickly turns from fun to dangerous. And then very shortly thereafter, Carol, uh, just possessed by a spirit and how you can tell she's possessed is because she suddenly starts talking like a man with a German accent and her face is all wrinkly. And she basically, you know, attacks and everyone freaks out. But they can't leave because outside of the mansion, the uh, graveyard area, the, there's now like zombies springing up from there. You know, a couple of the folks do try to run out and escape, but someone just like gets sucked into the ground. Uh, and after you see that, you basically don't want to try to leave at that point. So everyone's, you know, hoarding up inside. They can't decide what to do, so of course everyone splits up because this is a horror movie. And what? how would you get to a lot of easy kills if people don't split up into groups? And somewhere around here, we sort of get more into a different storyline, or it's like tangentially related storyline. But there is this very old-looking man, presumably already dead type of thing, but like somehow alive because he's a sorcerer named Creon. And he is like the ultimate creep. Because he has this, like, girl um, in a wedding dress in a coffin. You know, she wakes up and apparently he's, like, she may have at one point been his wife. But she utterly despises him and in life she killed herself with poison. 
but he wouldn't let her go even though he was clearly making her like so upset that she ended up killing herself he's kept her here he's reviving her and making it such that she cannot like exist without him so that's totally disturbing creep territory more creepy is the fact that he says that they had another kid together even though she only remembers having one child so he he did something while she was dead but her body was being revived i don't know but it's very disturbing and nasty and i didn't like that at one bit either way these two characters are sort of on their their own like storyline the only really connecting thread is that they're i guess this is happening in the house and that i guess they are sort of semi controlling the spirits um, the monsters that are attacking and it's somewhere at this point when everyone's in full you know fear mode that we start seeing a lot of monsters and i'm all for that one of the first we see is this sort of mud man he's like a you know, a, a very large looking person, except that they're so caked in dirt and mud that it basically just looks like kind of a, you know, a humanoid shape mud blob. Anyway, these monsters come out of the cellar and they're attacking the folks that are in there. And it's really cool. Um, the effect of that mud design is, is really realistic, honestly. Um, cause, you know, it's kind of just a lot of dirt, but it looks very good. And the thing is, that there is a little farting sound effect that plays when the mud men are walking around and it's a, and that makes it a bit silly though admittedly like how everyone's been playing it up for a long time about how hilarious it is it's not that funny you know i could see that if you're a big like ball of like mud and, and sort of like dirt all clogged together maybe there's like gases escaping i don't know anyway i didn't think it was that funny i thought it was a little silly but, like, the rest of the film doesn't have sort of other weird sound effects like that going on. Oh, well, aside from the purring cat uh, pirate man, you know. And I think it was kind of cute. Anyway, so that people actually survive a lot of these attacks, which a lot of times in movies you feel like if you see a monster, it's kind of like it's just a matter of time before that monster gets them. But in this case, the mud men are destroyed by wine because it, like, melts them. You know, they can't be stay formed as a big mud blob. They just sort of turn into mud on the ground and so the folks escape there but you know it's only a matter of time before other people are getting killed off like one of the fellas is killed by a little like weird green snaky goblin creature in his sleep it's very unexpected because he's just like sleeping there and then like later you know the girl turns him over and his face is all eaten off there was you know he was fine i guess he just died peacefully after being eaten i don't know Things keep coming out of the woodwork and these monsters are being like summoned from the Ouija board that was in the house by Carol. So aside from those guys, there's also this like weird monster who has like tentacles or at least one tentacle because he uses it to strangle a girl. And he's got this like kind of vaginal mouth opening thing. I thought he was going to use that to like eat her or something, but it didn't happen. He just like shot out a tentacle, which is fine, I guess. There's some random old lady monster who has like a big open mouth, like, you know, more than it should be, sort of dehinged jaw thing. And she's chasing after the bride lady. And it's like, okay, what is the point of that? She's just like cackling to be spooky because nothing happens. She doesn't even like try to hurt the bride. One of the cool characters was this woman who gets summoned at a point, And she just like, you know, looks like a normal person. The thing is, once... She lures one of the characters into her lair. She slowly morphs into a spider woman. 
well, really, she is a spider woman. She morphs into a spider, full-on spider. So it's pretty cool. You don't, like, get to see it happening. It's sort of, like, cut away and cut back to it. And you're seeing, like, okay, now she's at the def- the next stage of spiderdom. And at first, I didn't 100% know what was happening. Like, because she has a pet, like, spider that attacks this dude, I was like, okay, she's going to be a spider. But I didn't know how that would happen. But then I thought maybe not because then as she starts transforming, she just kind of looks wrinkly in her face and it's like her head gets big, but but she's still like like a person-ish. So I was like, maybe not then. Maybe she's not going to be a spider woman. But I was wrong. She totally spiders out, you know, has the big body thing and the eyes or what have you and legs, multiple limbs. So that was neat. And then she sucks the life out of that guy by basically, I don't know how, um, but the character uh, model just sort of deflates. And it's a pretty cool effect, actually. You know, it's clearly not real, but it, it looked pretty good. Like, I didn't notice immediately, oh, yeah, here's the real face, and then here's the fake face, and now that face gets sucked out. You know, it didn't, I didn't notice that, so it was pretty cool. And then as we keep going, there's another monster that appears, which is Death. You know, Death is in the sort of skeleton with a robe and scythe. And he was there in the house sort of as this statue, but then he comes to life. He's got glowing eyes, you know, the whole bit. He kills off one of the characters, Duke, who I felt like was kind of a main character in that he was very notable and, like, you remember him. But he gets killed off. Like, I didn't even know he was dead at first because he gets, you know, slashed and he flies from the, I guess, force of the slash back behind something. And I was like, okay, maybe he's not dead because you don't see him necessarily die. He didn't even scream, I don't think, when he gets hit. And it only seemed like he got hit in his leg. But he never comes back, so I guess he's dead. Oops. You know, then there's finally a showdown with Carol and the last, like, three remaining people. And they are, like, ready to do something. She starts to kill them with some sort of, like, weird sound wave. I don't know. And the sort of old man guy from the prim and proper group tries to, you know, use this acid type thing to kill her, but she deflects with the Ouija board and they all end up dying. So at this point, I guess everyone in the party is dead. But that's not the end of the movie because there is still the bride and Creon and their like weird son who are hanging out and also the cat person. But then it just sort of gets weirder because the bride, you know, stabs Creon in the head. But he's already dead, right? So he, that doesn't really kill him. And she runs out of the house. There are zombies. There's very long, very belabored scene with her on the ground and zombies grabbing at her. Uh, yeah, she gets up and gets away. Only to later be caught because the person she thought that was saving her in a station wagon was actually the cat pirate man. Just that he, like, transformed temporarily to look like a normal dude and i don't know why the bride super cares because she's dead anyway so it's like she's gonna get killed and i don't know if you're like if you're already a spirit can you kill yourself again i don't think so so she's just sort of doomed and the movie ends with the crayon dude like laughing and you know his his mouth's all open and whatever and that's the movie so for me like this movie is not super standout for the characters like aside from like i said duke they're not very memorable people. And it's a very strange movie. There is like humor in places where there probably shouldn't be. And like this random comedian character who's got a puppet and likes to talk with a puppet and be a little bit obnoxious, but not too obnoxious. And he wears like a shirt with his face on it. 
Uh, but I mean, aside from that, like there's not super memorable characters in the cast. What really was memorable or is going to be memorable to me is the monsters. They were extremely cool and there was just such a wide variety. I like that in the movie when you get, you know, you just get a whole grab bag of random stuff or random characters that are going to come and try to kill these people. And apparently everyone's dead. There was no, like, final girl. Also interesting. But the thing about this movie that I found out after watching the special features on the Vinegar Syndrome disc, because there's a documentary on there about the film, is that it is basically two movies in the sense that this team was trying to make a film, they were trying to make spookies, and their uh, funding person or whoever it was who is pro- technically producing the film was just kind of not the kind, not the person you want. Very trying to be hands-on, thinking that they know best, and ended up eventually the original team basically all left, either by being fired or quitting because they could not stand this whatsoever. And then that producer man and his he you know he got a new team in and they sort of created these new scenes and all these new scenes are the scenes with Kriana and the bride and the child and the cat pirate and that's why they like none of those characters ever inter and the and the 13 year old kid as well so that's why none of these characters ever co like connect with the other group of people who are in the mansion because they were separate movies they have you know they they all the cast left and didn't come back so they couldn't have been hired on to be in these new scenes with these other people having, you know, with their own weird revived bride uh, storyline. And the way that they make the story, you know, the way they cut things, it, you know, it fit enough. Like, I could understand and believe it that for some reason that Carol is controlled by Creon and that Creon's just sort of sitting and watching and laughing as everyone gets killed. It seemed a little tangential, but it was like, okay, I could, I could get it. I can understand it. But it's really not, those are not intended to be part of the film. And so that's why that is a little bit odd. And also probably why a lot of the film work itself comes across as kind of janky and weird. Because they re- totally recut the film as well. And, may, and move stuff around in places. So things don't necessarily make full sense in the sequence as to why this is happening at this point why you're seeing this then instead of some other time i i'm thinking from what i heard in the documentary the movie was certainly supposed to be in quite differently obviously there would be no bride sequences um but it seems like maybe they were eventually leaving the house and the spirits were like circling around and you know attacking them and finally the whole house just sort of implodes on itself very classic haunted house ending right um and then whoever's left uh, survives but that didn't happen in the end everyone dies and the bride gets captured so like sad or unhappy ending i guess so i enjoyed the film but admittedly when i went and watched the documentary i felt a little bad because in that film or the documentary everyone seems so unhappy with the end product obviously because it was sort of their baby and it got all chopped up and you know changed into something different and a lot of the stuff that they were trying to do, trying to be serious, trying to be scary, whatever, was sort of killed off and turned into this sort of mess. And so I feel bad for liking it a little bit because the people who made the movie are very upset with it. That's the kind of change the fact that I like it. And what I like about the movie, I think, is what they provided for the film originally, which is very cool monsters and 
some interesting effects and that kind of stuff is what I liked. So I like their stuff. I don't like what the new stuff was really. I don't care about the child. Like what point did he even serve? He's just there for a second and then he's dead. So whatever. Overall, I think it's a still a fun watch and probably best served in a group of friends rather than trying to watch it by yourself because you may hate it. And like me, if I did watch it when I was like 13 or 14 by myself, I did hate it. If that's the movie I'm thinking of, still don't know. We'll never know. But I think it's definitely a better film to watch with people because then you can have fun with it. Even if you're like not super into it, you can just kind of enjoy and sort of laugh together at things that are going on. So that's all for this week. I don't know yet what I'll be watching next. I usually don't. It's just whatever sort of sparks my fancy suddenly out of nowhere. Or I hear someone talking about another film on a podcast. You know, then I'll something will move up on my watch list queue. My watch list is like 900 movies long, by the way, according to IMDb. Uh, 977 to be exact. Either way, thanks for listening, and I'll be back soon.